This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. A uh, going to be a warm one here in the Northeast. We've got some big thunderstorms coming this afternoon. Chances of some severe weather, but uh, uh, the heat is coming back. Not going to be a great Memorial Day week, and I know the a lot of traveling going on. They're, they're expecting uh, packed airports. Packed roads. It's going to be it's going to be like the old days, folks. So uh, buckle up. Uh, lots to get to this morning. Of course, the Red Sox played yesterday. Uh, everybody in Major League Baseball in action. Interesting thing happened here in the state of Connecticut yesterday. Um, a uh, a record breaking game in high school softball. How about this for a final score? You ready? Platt High School in Meriden uh, defeated New Britain in a softball game. The final score was four. Forty-four to forty-three, eighty-seven runs. It is the third highest uh, scoring softball game in the United States in high school history. Uh, there was a ninety-five run game in California in twenty eleven, and a ninety-four run game in Massachusetts back in nineteen eighty-three. Eighty-seven runs, and this game actually started last Tuesday. It went six innings. And they were tied at 43 apiece when uh, darkness came, so they had to to uh, postpone the uh, completion of the game or suspend the game. And it ended yesterday on a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch. A girl named Brooklyn uh, Sividanis came up and was hit by a pitch with a bases-loaded, and that was the winning run. Uh, New Britain, by the way, 1-13 this season. Um, and that's what we're talking about. A tough one to lose 44 to 43, uh, Platt, by the way, eight and 10, neither one of those teams, uh, uh, setting the world on fire, but just, uh, just thought that was kind of cool. 87 runs. Um, and uh, another bizarre thing in the world of sports. And we hear about these kind of strange injuries all the time. Uh, Jesus Lazardo from the Oakland athletics. If you remember a few weeks ago, uh, broke a broke a bone in his hand while playing a video game and slamming his hand down on the table and broke a bone in his hand. Well, how about this one? Uh, Zach Plesac from the Cleveland Indians, starting pitcher, was placed on the injured list on Tuesday because he had fractured his right thumb. And it was after a uh, bad outing. He had allowed uh, five runs in three and two-thirds innings. It was his second straight bad outing come to find out he broke the thumb by and this is a quote from uh, manager Terry Francona of the Cleveland Indians he said by aggressively removing his shirt so he was I guess so pissed off that he was trying to tear his jersey off 
and somehow did that, got his finger caught in a chair and ended up fracturing his thumb because he was so mad that, that he, <laughs> he lost his mind. You know, I, I'm telling you, uh, you know, there's been guys that have uh, missed time because they've fallen down the stairs carrying their luggage or what, you know, a guy a couple of years ago opening up a can with a can opener, sliced his thumb open. Uh, but this is a new one. Aggressively removing your shirt. And we've seen, uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was, uh, oh, the kid from uh, the Atlanta Braves. Um, I can't, for the life of me, I can't think of his name right now. But the other day was pissed off after a bad outing and slammed his uh, and punched the wall, broke his hand, you know. <laughs> so aggressively removing his shirt. Um, the Olympics are supposed to start in two months. And there is still a move in Japan to cancel the Olympics. Um, one of the major newspapers in the country published an editorial today calling for the Olympics to be canceled. And this, by the way, this paper that is calling for the Olympics to be canceled is one of the sponsors they've of the Olympics. This is a company that's put up money. Um, local companies or companies around the country have put up some $3.5 billion. And this newspaper is one of them. Um, it's the uh, Asai Shimbun newspaper. It has a circulation of over 5 million for its morning edition and about a million and a half for its evening edition. It's second in circulation in the country, actually in the world, it's behind uh, another Japanese newspaper in uh, Yomori. So it's just a pretty big deal. And, you know, they said, look, um, that we, we he, the editorial said we cannot think it's rational to host the Olympics in the city this summer, and we demand the prime minister decide on cancellation. You know, they said, look, the prime minister needs to calmly evaluate the circumstances and decide to cancel the event. Um, why? Because a very small percentage of the Japanese population has been vaccinated. Here in the United States... Um, it was announced this morning that we are at about 50% of the United States population has been vaccinated. And we talked yesterday about it was three quarters here in New England. But in Japan, it's in the single digits. That's how small it is. So you're talking about bringing thousands and thousands of athletes and coaches from around the world to a country where nobody is vaccinated. Now, I get it. Everybody that comes is supposed to be vaccinated or have been tested and has to prove it before they're going to be allowed into the country. But still, it just seems silly to me. Um, you know, if Japan was serious about wanting to host the Olympics, you would have thought there would have been a national push to get everybody vaccinated. So do I think this is going to happen? Probably not. I mean, look, you know, Japan's put up about almost $5 billion getting ready for these Olympics. I would be surprised if they pull the plug. Now, Richard Pound, who is a senior member of the IOC, has said that the deadline for actually 
canceling the Olympics is about a month away. If you're going to do it, he said, you have to do it before the end of June. Um, they're supposed to start on July 23rd. You know, we've got everybody ramped up. I, you know, I just don't know how. I mean, this would be a big blow to the uh, IOC because they generate a lot of revenue from the Olympics. Now, you know, one thing they could do is you could, instead of having it in Japan, you could then decide, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a true International Olympics. What if in that month period or the, the month and a half that we have before the Olympics start, what if they decided that, okay, the gymnastics competition is going to be held in, say, uh, Germany. And we're going to have, uh, you know, the uh, whatever event in the United States and another event in uh, Peru or wherever. What if they made it a true International Olympics? I mean, I suppose you could do that. They're not going to allow fans uh, probably in these events anyway in Japan. So what's the difference other than the fact the IOC is not going to get uh, their money? Now, if they have the international, you know, some kind of an international thing, and it's still broadcast by the NBC. Now, I don't know how they NBC would that would be a nightmare for NBC because they're planning on, you know, they've got the media rights in the United States and obviously everything being in the same country and in the same city uh, in Tokyo and around that, that area. It's going to be fairly easy to stage the Olympics in terms of broadcast. If it was an international thing, it would be a nightmare. So I don't know that they could truly do it, but it might be worth thinking about. You know, But again, as, as a host country, I'm, I don't understand how as a host country you can decide that you're going to take on this kind of a financial burden, $4.5 billion, and yet you're not going to make sure that your people are vaccinated so that you can safely host the Olympics. It just, it's silly, absolutely silly. So, uh, again, you know, look, we got a month before they got to decide, but I'll be surprised if they pull the plug. I think it's going to happen. I, what, what format that will take, you know, and, and whether there'll be fans and, you know, whether there, there may be even some athletes decide not to go because of the fact that nobody there is vaccinated. Who knows? So, all right, let's get to a baseball last night. Uh, Red Sox had opportunities last night. You know, it's one of those games. It was very frustrating. You know, the Red Sox lose to the Atlanta Braves last night, 3-1. to one. And at the end of the day, you look at that game and you say, how the hell did the Red Sox lose this game? They had Charlie Morton, the starting pitcher for the, the Braves, on the hook, not once, but twice. In the first two innings, the Red Sox legitimately could have scored five or six runs. They got one. And the one run they scored was on a hit-by-pitch with the bases loaded. That's it. They loaded the bases with nobody out in the first inning and got one run on a bases-loaded HBP. That's it. Then in the second inning, they have runners on first and third and nobody out, and they didn't score. So, you know, Charlie Morton looks like he's in deep trouble, and yet the Red Sox get one run and leave a small village on base in the first two innings. Absolutely uh, unforgivable. You know, <laughs> these, you know, you gotta, you, you know, and and it, and what happens a lot of times? 
You get a great pitcher like Morton, a veteran who's been around for a long time. If you don't get him when you have the opportunities early, you don't get him. After that, Charlie Morton set down 13 straight batters. Xander Bogart had an RBI or had a, uh, uh, a two-out single in the third inning, and then after that, Charlie Morton set down 13 in a row. Ended up going seven innings, gave up three hits and the one run, and the one run he gave up was unearned. Walked two guys, struck out nine. A guy that, you know, bases loaded in the first, first and third in the second with nobody out neither time, and you only give up one run, and he ends up getting the win. Unbelievable. And if you're the Red Sox, you know, talk about a wasted opportunity. And then they go to the bullpen, and uh, Santana comes in, pitches a scoreless eighth. Will Smith comes on, pitches a scoreless ninth, strikes out two, picks up his eighth save of the season. Game over, Sox lose, and uh, they fall to 13-13 and at Fenway Park. You, you got in your home ballpark. You got to be better than 500. I mean, that's just absolutely brutal. Uh, they've been one of the best road teams in Major League Baseball, but they can't win at home. Uh, you know, and I don't. That's uh, Fenway Park has always been such a big advantage for the the Red Sox that it's kind of hard to wrap your head around the fact that they're not winning at home. Garrett Richards started for the Red Sox last night. Look, he was not great. He was all over the place. It looked like half the time he didn't know where the ball was going, yet he still managed to last into the sixth inning, threw 100 pitches, five and two-thirds, six hits, three runs. He walked four, struck out four. Again, that's not a great line, but he still kept his team in the game. When he left the game, it was a two-to-one game. You know, they, they got another run uh, when uh, Salamora came in and couldn't find the strike zone and ended up uh, giving up a run in the sixth inning that he inherited that was charged to Richards. But, you know, Richards still was uh, good enough that he gave his team an opportunity. So that was frustrating as all hell. Um, and, uh, you know, the only bright spots last night, Garrett Whitlock, a couple of innings out of the bullpen, uh, scoreless innings. He continues to be unbelievable. What a, what a great find he was. Uh, but, you know, the Red Sox had a single from Kike Hernandez, a single from Xander Bogarts, and a triple from Danny Santana. That is it the entire night. Uh, you know, they left 14 runners. Excuse me, not 14 runners. They left uh, eight runners on base. Eight. You can't, you know, I mean, just frustrating. Um. One uh, kind of gross thing that happened in the game, Marcelo Zuna uh, was sliding into third base, the Atlanta Braves left fielder, and he slides into third, and his spike catches, or his hands catches on uh, Rafi Devers' spikes. He dislocated the middle and ring fingers in his left hand, and it was one of those things, the the camera zoomed in on it, and his finger was going in a direction it wasn't supposed to go. Uh, so he is headed back to Atlanta for uh, you know for further evaluation, but he's going to be out for a little while. But, oh, that was gross. Uh, and the other maddening thing last night for the Red Sox, Pablo Sandoval, remember him? Red Sox signed him to a, a three-year contract for night or a five-year contract for $95 million, and he was with the Red Sox from 2015 to 2017. It was awful. It was so bad that the Red Sox just flat-out released him. And it had to pay the last two years of his contract to not play for them. That's how bad he was. Last night, he comes back with the Atlanta Braves as a designated hitter and goes three for four. <laughs> it's crazy. 
Uh, it's just a two-game series. The uh, finale will be tonight. Drew Smiley, who is two and two, will take the hill for the Braves. It'll be Nick Pavetta, who has still yet to lose as a member of the Red Sox pitching staff. He'll get the start. He's five and zero this year uh, for the Red Sox. So we'll see uh, how that goes. Uh, the only good thing for Boston last night: the Yankees lost, and the Tampa Bay Rays lost. Um, Steven Matz pitched for the Blue Jays in his return to New York. Now, he was a longtime member of the New York Mets and, you know, had some success with them. And then last year in the pandemic season was terrible to the point where the Mets just released him. He signed with Toronto. And the Mets comes back to New York. He's from New York, which he loved. He's from Long Island. And he had his brother uh, and his father in the stands last night. He goes six and two-thirds. Gives up one run on six hits. He struck out ten. Didn't walk anybody. Improved to six and two this season. Uh, Tyler Chatwood came on for uh, to get uh, four outs, and then uh, Romano came in, finished up, and uh, uh, Toronto beats the Yankees. Now for New York, they had Corey Kluber going, the guy who pitched the no hitter last week. Uh, unfortunately for the Yankees, Corey Kluber left the game after three innings. He felt some shoulder tightness. And, uh, you know, after the game, Kluber said, look, you know, he said, I'm not alarmed. He said, I wish we knew more. But he said it didn't he said it didn't feel like what he dealt with last year, which led to surgery. um, But it didn't feel right. So he goes just three innings, gave up two runs, two hits. He did strike out five, but he walked three. You, You could tell he wasn't right from the beginning. And then the Yankees go to the bullpen. King did a pretty good job out of the pen. Uh, Corey Litke ended up giving up a couple of runs, and uh, Toronto ends up winning this one 6-4. to four. But if you're the Yankees, uh, that is one of those where you're just kind of kind of hold your breath a little bit because that is not something that uh, uh, they wanted to see uh, with a very thin pitching staff as it is. Alex Manoa is going to get the start for Toronto tonight. Now, this is uh, interesting. He was the number 11 overall pick in the draft in 2019. That's how baseball has changed now. This kid was drafted in June of 2019, and in less than two years, he's going to make his Major League debut for the Blue Jays tonight in Yankee Stadium. Boy, talk about uh, a heady thing. Domingo Herman will get the start for the Yankees tonight. Um, and, uh, you know, but baseball has changed so much. You know, in the old days, I know. I, I I guess I should stop saying the old days because I sound truly like the old man that I'm. I am. Um, but you know, guys didn't get drafted and end up in the major leagues in two years. It was a rarity. You know, I remember remember uh, Dave Winfield like never played in the minors, came out of high school and started in major leagues. But like that never happened. You know, usually if you got drafted, you were in the minor leagues three, four, five years before you finally got an opportunity. You know. If you were 22, 23 years old, that's about when you got your start. You didn't see a lot of uh, uh, young kids getting their start in the major league so quickly. Uh, I mentioned the Rays lost as well, and they got some help from, believe it or not, the Kansas City Royals. The Royals actually even their record at uh, 500, 23 and 23, um, as they beat the Rays last night, two to one. Uh, and the Rays got an outstanding performance. Rich Hill last night, eight innings. He struck out 13, didn't walk anybody, only allowed two runs. Um, Hill actually became the oldest uh, player to appear in a Rays uniform last night. The previous oldest uh, was Wade Boggs, 
And uh, that was when Wade Boggs played his final game in 1999. He was uh, 41 years and 73 days old. Uh, Rich Hill's 41 years, 75 days old. And he struck out 13. The only other pitchers in Major League Baseball to strike out 13 at age 41 or more, Randy Johnson, Hall of Famer, Nolan Ryan, Hall of Famer, and Gaylord Perry, Hall of Famer. Now, Rich Hill is not going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Rich Hill was a has been a very good pitcher in his career, but it's a guy whose career was almost over. You know, the Boston Red Sox actually helped resurrect Rich Hill's career. Um, but, you know, this is a guy that has been a solid pitcher the last few years, but in his career he's only won 70 games. You know, but if you look at uh, uh, early in his career, he was a promising pitcher with the Chicago Cubs, and then injuries got to him. And for a period of, say, from 2008 to 2010, he pitched a grand total of about 60 innings. And, uh, again, dealt with more injuries. Finally got whatever was going on with him, got it figured out with the Red Sox back in 2016 uh, through 110 innings in 2016 and 135 in 2017, and he stayed healthy ever since. So, you know, and he's a guy that makes you want to run to the bat rack because he can't uh, break a pane of glass. You know, he features his curveball, and, you know, it looks like anybody could hit him. Uh, but great performance, but they can't get the bats going off of uh, Brad Keller who last night went seven innings, just uh, one run and four hits. Uh, Bryce Brents did a good job, got four outs, and uh, then Zimmer comes on and picks up his second save of the season. So Red Sox don't lose any ground. That's the good news. Uh, Tampa's still a half a game ahead. The Yankees are a half a game behind the Red Sox, so Boston's still in second place. Now Toronto, uh, with the win, gets as, uh, up to four and a half games, and they sit back in fourth place right now, so... You know, again, but the Red Sox got to figure out how to win at home. It's absolutely crazy, you know, and hopefully uh, they can get things going tonight. Well, we talked about uh, Corey Kluber's injury with the Yankees. Well, the Mets uh, got some bad news yesterday as well. Noah Syndergaard, who was recovering from Tommy John surgery for the Mets, um, was making his second rehab start for the team in St. Lucie, Florida and left the game after just one scoreless inning. He struck out a guy and then left because he felt some right elbow soreness. That's obviously the arm that had the Tommy John surgery, and uh, they are not sure exactly what's going on, that you know they just want to be extra cautious. You know, It could just be that, hey, you know, this is the first time he's ramping it up uh, on a regular basis. This is why the Red Sox are being so cautious with Chris Sale as he recovers. Uh, Syndergaard had the Tommy John surgery 14 months ago, you know, and he had had no setbacks until Tuesday, you know, and last week he threw four scoreless innings, threw 46 pitches. So it could just simply be that, you know, he threw that, now he's coming back and trying to throw full speed again five days later, and maybe it's just, you know, normal soreness because of the surgery. But the Mets obviously uh, holding their breath. So, you know, they've. They, but the good news for the Mets, they got Jacob DeGrom last night. We'll tell you how he did when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.
Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Uh, don't forget, coming up after our show today, uh, we've got the Sox Outsider with uh, my buddy Matt Corey. Uh, Matt's, <laughs> Matt's been a little despondent the last couple of days with the uh, Red Sox results, but uh, uh, he has a new episode of his show, Sox Outsider. So that's coming up uh, directly after this show. Hope you can uh, stay tuned for that one. So I referenced the Mets. Uh, Jacob DeGrom made his return for the Mets last night, and it was uh, about as good as could be expected. Five innings, just one run, three hits. Struck out nine in five innings. Didn't walk anybody. Hit 100 miles an hour. Uh, They took him out after just 63 pitches, 44 for strikes. And by the way, think about that. 63 pitches in five innings. That's phenomenal in and of itself. You know, uh, if you remember the other day, Eduardo Rodriguez, like, was at 90 pitches in four innings. DeGrom throws 63 and five. They say for a major league pitcher, they like to keep him at – you know, 14, 15 pitches an inning is kind of like the the standard. Uh, well, DeGrom was at about uh, 12 pitches an inning, so a pretty good effort by Jacob DeGrom yesterday. Uh, and then the bullpen did its thing. DeGrom didn't end up getting uh, the decision because it was a tight game. Kyle Freeland got his first start of the year from for Colorado. He was coming off an injury uh, that he suffered in spring training back in March. So uh, he went four innings, gave up a run and four hits. Bo. So it was a tight one. But then Castro comes out of the bullpen, two scoreless innings. May pitched a scoreless inning. And then Edwin Diaz struck out the side uh, in the ninth inning to pick up his eighth save of the season. Uh, but a solid win for the Mets last night. They beat Colorado 3-1. to one. You know, I say solid because this is a Mets team that does not resemble the Mets team that you expected to see when the season started. When you look at all the injuries, there's no Conforto. Uh, you know, uh, Brandon Nimmo not playing, uh, you know, to a point where uh, James McCann played first base for the second straight day. First time he'd ever played first base in the major leagues. Did you see the play he made? Not last night, but the night before. Diving play to his right and uh, a cold glove kind of play. So he's at first base again last night. I mean, it's crazy. Thomas Nito is, is your catcher. Uh, Cameron Mabins in center field. It wasn't even on the team to start the season. It's It's nuts. And yet here they are sitting in first place in the NL East. I mean, granted, the NL East uh, records right now, not that great. The Mets are only two games over 500, but they've got a game lead over Atlanta, who even their record by beating the Red Sox last night. Uh, the Phillies are a game under 500. The Miami's two games under, and Washington is three games back. So you could throw an umbrella around that NL East, all five teams within three games of each other. So, uh, But a great return for the Mets, something that they desperately needed. Uh, Colorado, by the way, three and 18 on the road, <laughs> three, you know, and they're kind of the opposite of the Red Sox. The Red Sox can't win at home. They're 500 at home. Colorado at home is 16 and uh, 12. I think, you know, Boston would, if they could get, if Boston was four games over 500 at home, they'd still be in first place in the AL East. So Colorado just has been an absolutely awful road team. Uh, and again, you know, it's kind of the rap that the Rockies have had their entire uh, existence. It's why guys from Colorado, you know, guys like Larry Walker, guys like Todd Helton, um, guys, they don't get the kudos that they should perhaps because they play in Colorado. And people keep saying, yeah, well, you know, Walker did this, Helton did that, but they played in Colorado, so can we really count that? And you know what? When, when you're Colorado and you're 3-18 and on the road, you know, <laughs> you're not helping yourself. Um, 
So I was, and so after the after the game was over, I was looking through the injury report for the Mets, and it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, and you keep hoping some of these guys are going to come back. But we talked about this, the setback that Syndergaard has had. Uh, now Taiwan Walker is close to coming back. He threw some live BP yesterday, um, and uh, they don't know uh, when he's going to be back, but it's going to be at least a week to ten days. And, and they may send him out for a rehab start. They haven't decided that yet. Um, J.D. Davis, who they were hoping to get back, has got that sprained left hand. Um, he was at a rehab assignment in AAA. He got sent back home. Uh, he's got some inflammation, and so they have shut him back down again. And so he is back in New York, so he's not close. Brandon Nimmo has some some nerve issues in their back they're trying to figure out. I mean, it's just it's crazy. And yet somehow the Mets are, are over five hundred. And it's nothing short of a miracle. Um, before we get to more baseball, I uh, I watched the some of the Celtics game last night, and, and I say some because it was painful. Um, you know, it's almost like if you are the Celtics, and, and I know you have to play the series out. I know you can't do this, but if you're Boston, wouldn't you like to just run up the white flag right now and say to the Nets, you know what? Never mind. You take the next two. Just get some rest. We're We'll just stay home. I mean, last night was embarrassing. Uh, the Nets beat the Celtics last night, one thirty to one hundred eight, and folks, it wasn't that close. It really wasn't. And you know, everybody talks about that big three about you know Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden, and you know they're formidable, no question. But Joe Harris, Joe Harris goes out and hits seven threes last night for the Nets. It's not bad enough, right? You, you got now Joe Harris hits seven threes. Uh, it tied a franchise record in playoffs with threes. Uh, Durant with 26 last night. Uh, just Harris finished with 25. Harden had 20. And the Celtics just looked disinterested. Uh, Marcus Smart led the way with 19. Kemba Walker at 17. Jason Tatum was awful. Shot three for 12. And then he had to leave the game in the second quarter. Why? He got poked in the eye. So, you know, I assume he'll play game three. But at this point, eh, honest to God. You know, and I saw stuff on Twitter about, you know, they should have, you know, they you know they should have put a G League team in there. Look, you know, the Celtics have had a rash of injuries. Now, look, there's no question that they have underachieved. With the talent that they have, you know, they've underachieved. But if they had Jalen Brown healthy going into this series, if Robert Williams hadn't had to deal with that issue with the turf toe all season, you know, if Kemba Walker hadn't, uh, you know, been dealing with a rash of injuries, if Marcus Smart hadn't been, you know, if, if, if. But if you look at it, the Celtics were like a walking mash unit this year. So it's not a huge surprise, you know, that they are where they are. You know, do I, I still don't think Brad Stevens is in, is in danger here. I don't see how a rational person and, and, and believe me, Twitter is not rational. If you read on Twitter, everybody hates Brad Stevens and Brad Stevens needs to go. But how can a rational person look at what he's had to deal with every year where he has not been able to have his five best players on the court at the same time all season? I'm not kidding. They have not had their you know, best five players in the same game, but maybe one or two times all season. So how can you hold him responsible when so many guys have gotten hurt? You know, 
I think it's more, I, I think the person that's most responsible for this is Danny Ainge. And I'm not saying Ainge should be fired, but Ainge has to look in the mirror and say, yeah, you know what? We got some great talent here, but what we don't have is depth. You know, their drafting in the last couple of years has not been very good. And so they are left with, when they get a major injury, they don't have anybody to go to. Now, I think Evan Fournier can be a nice piece there, you know. But, you know, you picked him up at the trade deadline. And what happens to him? He ends up with COVID and misses like three or four weeks. So the guy you picked up at the trade deadline can't even play for a few weeks. You know, I mean, so... uh, I think if you're the Celtics and you're the ownership of the Celtics, you have to get in, I don't, maybe not in his face, but you have to go to Danny Ainge and say, Danny, we, you know, look, dude, you know, we have got to figure this out. And, and I don't know, you know, salary cap wise, of course, it's difficult, difficult these days when you've got guys like Kemba Walker and, and uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown that are, are making a boatload of money. You know, you don't have a lot of cap space. It's difficult. I get it, but other teams seem to figure it out, and the Celtics haven't. So, uh, just brutal last night. I can tell you right now, I will not be. I will not be watching Game Three or Game Four, and it will be over in four. If this isn't a sweep, uh, I'll be shocked. But what's the point at this? You know, I mean, the NBA is barely watchable as it is. I watch some games because I have this show, and I have to be able to report on it. But basketball has ceased to be enjoyable. Pro basketball has ceased to be enjoyable. I'll watch any college game. I love the college game. But when you watch games like the Celtics and the Nets, and uh, last night not so much, but game one, James Harden, four consecutive trips down the floor in game one of this series, never passed the ball. Came down, and it was one-on-one basketball. That's all it was. And you see that, especially with Harden, you know, and you see it on so many teams. Guys become black holes, and they don't want to pass the basketball. They get it, and they're going to the hoop, or they're going to throw up some kind of shot. You know, and that's it's not enjoyable to me. You know, and I again, I don't want to sound like the get off my lawn guy, but back in the day, you know, when basketball was a team game, it was a lot more fun. You know, back when you know Larry Bird and and those guys and Magic Johnson and you know even Michael Jordan, you know, would pass the ball. You know. Uh, it, it just isn't fun. You know, it, it, and people say, well, LeBron James passes. Yeah, he does, but there, how, how often does, does LeBron James become a black hole where the, the ball just ain't leaving his hand? You know, we see it too often. It's just not fun. And, and the officiating, and this isn't uh, complaining because, you know, uh, I'm some kind of Celtics fan that, that is pissed they're not getting calls. I have watched this series, and I have watched uh, Jason Tatum get mugged time after time after time and no call, and yet uh, something that is far less egregious, the Celtics are getting whistled. You know, and it's almost like the NBA, and 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 I, you know, I'm, I know this isn't the case, but it's almost like the NBA has deemed this is what they want. They want these super teams to succeed. They want you know, the big three to move on. They That's because it's 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 a great storyline, you know. Um, now, having said that, even if the Celtics were getting those calls, they're not winning that game, okay? They're not. But it's just when you look at stuff like that, you go, you know, how, how, can, how can they get away with this? How can LeBron James get away with uh, l- larceny uh, or uh, thuggery 
time after time after time, and it never gets called. Uh, just like look, Michael Jordan, they never called fouls on Michael Jordan. You know, I mean, it was it's it's the way big superstars don't they get the calls all the time, and it's not it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. You know, and I get the referees are all they're all human. I get it, but it should not be that way. Um, one hockey game of note last night: the Carolina Hurricanes beat the Nashville Predators last night, uh, three to two. So Carolina now leads that first round playoff series three games to two. Um, you know, good win for them last night, and uh, tonight will be the one I'll be watching. It'll be the Islanders and the Penguins. And the Islanders lead that series with a chance to close it out tonight. They lead it three games to two. If they can win that game tonight in New York, they will be the second-round opponent for the Boston Bruins. And the Boston Bruins will have uh, the home ice advantage for round two of the playoffs. That game is on, uh, I think it's on, I think that's an MSNB or an NBCSN game tonight. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'll have to double-check that. I don't think it's on Nesson, but I could be wrong. Uh, but that'll be something to watch. I can't. I can't wait for that one. Uh, it is 45 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. A couple of minutes left before we get out of here and get ready to crank up the air conditioners as we're heading up uh, to 90 degrees again today. Going to be humid. Uh, thunderstorms this afternoon. Uh, the uh, White Sox beat the... Cardinals again last night. This was a fun one because it was the matchup of a whole old high school teammates, Lucas Giolito and Jack Flaherty going against one another, and Giolito got the better of this one uh, as the White Sox win again 8-3. to three. Um, Flaherty didn't get out of the fourth inning. It was the first loss of the season for Flaherty. He came in 8-0 uh, but struggled. He allowed uh, uh, three, run, or three earned runs and six hits in uh, three and two-thirds. But it was uh, he actually allowed seven runs. But the Cardinals with three errors in the field last night, so uh, they certainly did not help him out last night at all. Uh, Jose Abreu, his 10th home run of the season last night, he drove in four uh, to lead the way for the Cardinals. They are now 28-19. and 19. So the old guy, Tony La Russa, despite the fact everybody wants to keep putting this guy in the grave, uh, has his team a game and a half up in the American League Central. Uh, good job by the uh, Cleveland Indians last night. Uh, Connecticut's own Aaron Savali, another strong outing last night for the Indians. They beat the Tigers 4-1. Uh, to one. Uh, Savali, who's from uh, East Windsor, uh, where my kids grew up, eight innings, six hits, just one run. He struck out six and uh, walked one through 104 pitches. James Karinchak picked up his six save. Uh, of the season and uh, Cleveland now 26 and 20 and again I'll tell you what if I was thinking about this if you had to pick an early season manager of the year in the American League who would it be and you know right now I think my leading candidate would be Terry Francona I really do you know, I mean, you could say, well, you know, Larusa's got the best record, or you know, Houston's had a hell, or, or Oakland had a hell of a run. Um, yeah, but to me, when you look at Cleveland and you look at the fact that they traded their best player, you know, Francisco Lindor is now in a National League uh, ballpark, 
And Carlos Carrasco, who was a big part of that uh, rotation, is gone as well. You know, and you look at uh, off what they have offensively, and the fact that they are doing what they're doing. Uh, Eddie Rosario, you know, a guy that the uh, the Minnesota Twins didn't want, is playing great outfield for that Cleveland team, and they are getting, you know, with the exception of first base, you know, and that's been a, a routine problem for them they're getting no production out of their first base position but outside of that this team is finding a way and you know Francona is doing a great job with this pitching staff and this bullpen uh managing it so they don't get overtaxed and uh I think uh you know nobody thought that Cleveland had a snowball's chance in hell matter of fact I think everybody thought that they were the third best team in the American League Central and maybe at the end of the day they will be I, I don't know. I mean, Minnesota's got a long way to go. They, now, they're picking it up. It doesn't hurt that, you know, they get to play the Baltimore Orioles for three games. Um, and they've, you know, they've beaten the last couple of nights. But, you know, this Cleveland team's got an eight-game lead over Minnesota. You know, uh, so right now, if I had to pick, you know, and I don't, uh, but uh, Terry Francona would be my guy right now. Um, the Athletics lost last night. The Seattle Mariners uh, snapped a six-game losing streak. Um, as uh, they win four to three over the Athletics last night, uh, Irvin got the start for Oakland and uh, got roughed up a little bit. Gave up ten hits in four and two thirds, uh, but a solid win for the Mariners last night. Oakland falls to twenty-eight and twenty-two. They still sit in first place in the AL West, a game ahead of the Houston Astros, and that is because the Astros. Took it on the chin last night. The Los Angeles Dodgers came in and crushed them, nine to two. Clayton Kershaw seven and two thirds, four hits, one run, struck out six, didn't walk anybody. Picked up his seventh win of the season. And look, the last time Clayton Kershaw pitched at Minute Maid, he got hammered. If you remember, it was in Game Five of the 2017 World Series. And uh, he got knocked out of the game in the fifth inning. And, of course, we all know that was the year that uh, there was some cheating going on. And the Dodgers will tell you, yeah, you know, this this win wasn't anything, you know, more special than any other win. And I say baloney. Uh, they got to uh, Zach Greinke last night. Uh, Greinke gave up four runs in uh, six innings. Only three hits, but he walked three guys. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Justin Turner hit his eighth home run of the season last night for the Dodgers. The Dodgers now 30-18. and 18. They have won eight in a row with the loss by the uh, Rays last night. They now have the longest winning streak uh, in Major League Baseball. They are still a half a game behind those uh, pesky San Diego Padres who don't seem to want to go away. Uh, the Padres with another win last night. They beat the Brewers 7-1. Uh, a Solid start for Musgrove, although he only lasted five innings. But the bullpen did a great job, and uh, they easily took care of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, and this was uh, without Fernando Tatis really being involved last night. You know, he went uh, over, but uh, Jerickson Profar, big game last night. A couple of hits, a couple of runs batted in. Uh, so the Padres remain in first place. And how about those San Francisco Giants? You know, they, they fell out of first place. Everybody's ready to bury them. Uh, but they're only a game and a half back. They got another solid start last night from Kevin Gaussman. How about this? I mean, this kid, when he was in Baltimore, couldn't get anybody out. I mean, he was brutal, right? 
Well, last night he uh, went five shutout innings, struck out nine, and picked up his fifth win of the season, lowered his ERA to 1.53, and the Giants shut out the Arizona Diamondbacks last night, eight to nothing. Evan Longoria, huge game for the Giants last night, went three for four, uh, had a home run, uh, drove in uh, four runs in the game. But uh, Kevin Gaussman, really, to me, uh, you know, this is a guy, I think his last year in Baltimore, he had an ERA of like f- four and a half. You know, he had one decent year. But outside of that, you know, he has really blossomed in San Francisco. So they are finding a way uh, to kind of stay in the mix. Uh, one other game from last night, the Cincinnati Reds with a victory over the Washington Nationals. Tyler Molly uh, picked up his third win of the season. Max Scherzer falls to four and three. Went seven, only gave up uh, two runs, five hits, struck out nine. Uh, but the uh, Washington National Bats were silent last night. Just four hits off of Molly and uh, three Cincinnati relievers. Uh, Farmer hit his third home run of the season. Eugenio Suarez hit a home run, a leadoff home run for Cincinnati. Eugenio Suarez is a guy that uh, strikes out a lot. Uh, you know, and uh, But he is now hitting leadoff for Cincinnati. I mean, this is bizarre, and and I don't know if they're doing it trying to get him jump started or what. But I mean, this is a guy who has struck out sixty five times in one hundred and seventy three at bats. He's got an on base percentage of two twenty eight. He's hitting one fifty. Yet they've now got him hitting leadoff. I guess to try to get him started. I don't know. It's bizarre. Uh, he struggled last year. Only hit two oh two in that. You know, and and again, I don't count last year's stats for much. His last full season back in twenty nineteen, he hit two seventy one. You know, and really outside of the last couple of years, he's like a 265 career hitter. So they've got him up at the top of the lineup to try to get him jump started, and he jump started them last night uh, with the leadoff home run. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with a new mu- new song from uh, Blake Shelton uh, featuring the Swan Brothers. Swan Brothers are a couple of guys that he coached on The Voice, and uh, this is a song that uh, he recently put out. It's called Body Language. Enjoy it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.